Hello, everybody. My name is Alex. If I haven't ever met you yet, hello. It's good to see all these faces. Um, we have been going through um, a series called Abide, and today I get to have the pr uh, privilege of speaking to you about Sabbath. Um, it's one of the spiritual practices of Jesus, so today my um, kind of title is Abiding Through the Practice of Sabbath. Um, so when it comes to Sabbath, we've probably got quite a mix of people in the room today. I'm assuming there's probably some of us who are like, okay, Sabbath, we do it. We've heard about it so many times. Let's move on. Um, there's probably some of us who are feeling like, oh, yeah, I heard of Sabbath, but I don't really know how to make that happen. Um, there's probably some of us who are like, what is Sabbath? I've never heard of that ever. Um, and then there's probably some who are feeling like, you know, I have heard of Sabbath, but it's always seemed super religious, and I thought we'd kind of done away with that when Jesus came into the world. Um, so what is Sabbath? And I've got four statements to start off with, just with a bit of an overview of what Sabbath is to get us started. So the word Sabbath means to stop. In Genesis, God worked for six days and then rested on the seventh. In doing so, he built a rhythm into the fabric of creation. When we live in alignment with this ancient rhythm, we find peace and joy, but when we fight it, we fracture our souls. Um, secondly, we hear about Sabbath rest and we imagine sleeping or taking a day off to chill, but Sabbath rest is a form of resistance. There are powerful forces, both external and internal, that war against a Sabbath spirituality. To Sabbath will require that we resist. Sabbath is not an onerous day for our religious duty, but a life-giving day of delight. It's a weekly party um, set apart for and de dedicated to God himself. Early Christians called it the Lord's Day. It's a weekly day of worship by which we cultivate a spirit of worship all week long. So Sabbath, we also know, is one of the Ten Commandments, and it's probably the most forgotten commandment of the Ten. Um, when Jesus came, he fulfilled the law of the Old Testament, but that doesn't mean that um, we neglect the Ten Commandments. They're there for us as commandments to still be obeyed. Yet out of all ten of them, I think that keeping the Sabbath is probably the most neglected. Um, Exodus 20, verses 1 to 17, talks about the Ten Commandments. So I'm going to read that in the message. It says, God spoke all these words. I am God, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of a life of slavery. No other gods, only me. No carved gods of any size, shape, or form of anything whatever, whether of things that fly or walk or swim. Don't bow down to them and don't serve them, because I am God, your God, and I'm a most jealous God, punishing the children for any sins their parents pass on to them, to the third and, yes, even to the fourth generations of those who hate me. But I'm unswervingly loyal to the thousands who love me and keep my commandments." No using the name of God, your God, in curses or silly banter. God won't put up with irreverent use of his name. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Work six days and do everything you need to do. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to God, your God. Don't do any work, not you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your servant, nor your maid, nor your animals, not even the foreign guest visiting in your town. For in six days, God made heaven, earth, and sea, and everything in them. Then he rested on the seventh day. 
Therefore God blessed the Sabbath day, and he set it apart as a holy day. Honor your father and mother so that you'll live a long time in the land that God, your God, is giving you. No murder, no adultery, no stealing, no, ni- no lies about your neighbor, no lusting after your neighbor's house, or wife, or servant, or maid, or ox, or donkey. Don't set your heart on anything that is your neighbor's. So all of the other nine commandments are ones that we don't really think twice about. We're like, yeah, of course, we're not going to murder. We're not going to go around committing adultery. We are all really aware of the need to honor our mother and our father. Yet when it comes to the Sabbath, it's pretty uncommon for us as Christians to actually follow it. And it's also the one that's just like really described in this passage. It's as if God really wanted us to get it. And it's also the one that just feels like such a gift to us, like it's a blessing. Um, Exodus 16, verse 29a says, they must realize that the Sabbath is the Lord's gift to you. So in the natural, we're we're all living life and we're like, time of work, of course we want that. Like, it's literally what a lot of us live for. Um, We live for the weekend, we look forward to time off, we look forward to long weekends, we crave vacation and we long for rest, yet we're the least rested that we've ever been. So why are we not receiving that real restorative rest? And I think that answer for some of us is, is right here in, in we don't keep the Sabbath. Um, so Sabbath seems like a day off work, and a lot, for a, a lot of us are used to having a day off work. But Sabbath is so much more than that. It's a day of restoration. It's restorative. It's not only about stopping, but it's um, just as important to be refilling and refilling with life-giving things. Um, so here's a few one-liners that I've, I've got of what Sabbath is. Sabbath is a commandment. Sabbath is a day of delight. Sabbath is a taste of the coming kingdom of God. Sabbath is a taste of what the Garden of Eden was, a taste of how it was always meant to be. Sabbath is a time for us to take in the glory of creation. Sabbath is a restoring of the soul. Sabbath is designed for our bodies. It's as important as eating and sleeping. Sabbath is different to just not working on a Sunday. Sabbath stands against perfectionist workaholism. Sabbath is more needed than ever before, but maybe less engaged in than ever before. Sabbath is a slice of heaven. Sabbath is a practice that Jesus kept. If Jesus needed it, so do we. Sabbath is a day to be playful, to have fun. Sabbath is a reminder that our salvation is not through works, it's through resting and knowing that only he can do it. Sabbath is a reminder that we are no longer slaves, but we're free. We're not slaves to work like the Israelites were in Babylon, working 24-7, but we're free and we're free from slavery. Sabbath grows in us a capacity to nurture a space with God. It helps us to abide. And Sabbath is a day to give you life. So Vinny, who's our youngest, he's five. Um, He's recently been saving things for a special day, as he calls it, or for another day. It's like that idea of saving things for a rainy day. And he'll get something that he um, really likes, but rather than enjoying it at the time, he'll save it for a special occasion. 
and um, he doesn't really know what special occasion that is, but he'll just ask us to save it for him. Um, but these, these things all have a, have a bit of a theme around food. So they're things like random fries or like one chicken nugget. And the other day it was like half-eaten, really well-licked sticky candy cane. Um, but I obviously can't hold on to these things for very long because they're going to like quite quickly like not be very good. Um, but um, I just see Sabbath as being that special occasion when we can enjoy all the things that we love. It's like that day to enjoy life, to do things that are not the norm. Um, it's a day to like wear our favorite outfit, to go out to eat, to finish the candy cane off. Um, but first and foremost, Sabbath is a day of restorative rest. Sabbath is not a religious day. One way of ruining Sabbath is to be legalistic about it, and being legalistic is the opposite of what Sabbath is supposed to be. When I was a kid, um, my family did Sabbath in a, in a religious way, and it was my most boring day of the week. Um, my parents were in a more religious church back then, um, and that meant that Sabbath was done through the lens of more what not to do, rather than the joys of how to make it life-giving. Um, so Sabbath as a kid was always on a Sunday. Um, we had to wear our prettiest, which was also the most uncomfortable dress. Um, we always wore tights, which is like pantyhose here, which seems really weird to say. Um, we weren't allowed to play out. Like, I don't know whether you had playing out. So many of you are so young, but playing out like in the 90s is like just going off around the village with your friends. That's just what playing out was. Um, with nobody knowing where you were, but parents allowed that back then. <laughs> Um, but we weren't allowed to play out on Sundays. Um, and we were also not allowed to watch TV or listen to music. And occasionally, we'd also have to go to church in the evening as well as the mornings. So as a kid, it felt like it was more about eliminating fun things rather than filling ourselves with life. And I don't believe that is what God intends for our Sabbath at all. It should be life-giving. It should be soul-restoring. It should be the day that you look forward to the most. And if it is uh, legalistic in any way for you, then just take the pressure off yourself and change it because um, being legalistic about it or religious is just not what Sabbath is about. Mark 2 verse 27 says, then Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. John 10 verse 10 says, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy, but my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Nan Fink Geffen, I probably haven't said that right, she's a famous Jewish author. She said this about Sabbath. Sabbath is like nothing else. Time as we know it does not exist during these 24 hours, and the worries of the week soon fall away. A feeling of joy appears. The smallest object, a leaf or a spoon, shimmers in a soft light and the heart opens. Sabbath is a meditation of unbelievable beauty. So why do Sabbath? I think I've mentioned enough reasons already of why we'd probably all want to have a Sabbath practice in our lives. I don't think many of us really would be having no desire for that Sabbath rest. Um, but I think instead I need to raise the question of why are we not doing Sabbath? And I think the answer for a lot of us is just that we're just busy. Um, so I pulled this from an article on busyness in our current society. And this is seven reasons why we are so busy today. 
So the first one is the glorification of busy. Busyness can be a badge of honor and a trendy status symbol. It can be a way to show our importance, our value, or self-worth in our fast-paced society. Number two, busyness can be the hope of job security. It's an outward sign of productivity and company loyalty. Number three, busyness is FOMO, fear of missing out. Our spending is shifting from buying all the things and having it all to now doing all the things and focusing on experiences. We're now packing our calendars and our social media feeds with the highlight reel of life, with a real need to be filling it with fun and adventure. Number four, busyness as a byproduct of the digital age. Our 24-7 connected culture is blurring the line between life and work, promoting multitasking and never turning off. We can spend hours of our lives on social media without even knowing it. Five, busyness is a time filler. In the age of ab abundance and choice, we have infinite ways to fill our time, online and offline. And instead of leaving idle moments as restorative white space or margin, um, six, busyness as a necessity. Some, some of us are working multiple jobs to make ends meet while also caring for children at home. And lastly, busyness as escapism. Escaping from idleness and slowing down to prevent facing the tough questions in life. For example, maybe past emotional pain or deep questions like what is the meaning of life or what is my purpose? Blaise Pascal, I don't know who that is, but it was a really cool quote. <laughs> he says, um, all of humanity's problems stem from our inability to sit quietly in a room alone. And I thought that was a pretty good one. <laughs> um, I know some of you recently have gone through the book, The Screwtape Letters by C.S. Lewis in one of the um, book groups. And if you haven't read it, it's, um, the premise of the book is that Satan and his helpers meet up to discuss ways to sidetrack various Christians who might be a danger to God's kingdom. Um, we should all know that the enemy's power is limited, that he cannot make us do anything at all. Um, but I want to read an excerpt from the book that I haven't forgotten about since I first heard it years ago, and it's on the subject of busyness. So it says this. Satan called a, a worldwide convention of demons. In his opening address, he said, we can't keep Christians from going to church. We can't keep them from reading their Bibles and knowing the truth. We can't even keep them from forming an intimate relationship with their savior. Once they gain that connection with Jesus, our power over them is broken. So let them go to their churches, let them have their covered dish dinners, but steal their time. So they don't have time to develop a relationship with Jesus Christ. This is what I want you to do, said the devil. Distract them from gaining hold of their savior and maintaining that vital connection throughout their day. How should we do this, his demons shouted. Keep them busy in the non-essentials of life and invent innumerable schemes to occupy their minds, he answered. Tempt them to spend, 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 and borrow, borrow, borrow. Persuade the wives to go to work for long hours and the husbands to work six or seven days each week, 10 to 12 hours a day, so they can afford their empty lifestyles. Keep them from spending time with their children. As their families then fragment, soon their homes will offer no escape from the pressures of work. 
overstimulate their minds so that they cannot hear that still, small voice. Entice them to play the radio or cassette player whenever they drive, to keep the TV, VCR, CDs, and their PCs going constantly in their home, and to see to it that every store and restaurant in the world plays non-biblical music constantly. This will jam their minds and break that union with Christ. Fill the coffee tables with magazines and newspapers. Pound their minds with the news 24 hours a day. Invade their driving moments with billboards. Flood their mailboxes with junk mail promotions offering free products, services, and false hopes. Even in their recreation, let them be excessive. Have them return from their recreation exhausted. Keep them too busy to go out in nature and reflect on God's creation. Send them to amusement parks, sporting events, plays, concerts, and movies instead. Just keep them busy, busy, busy. And when they meet for spiritual fellowship, involve them in gossip and small talk so that they leave with troubled consciences. Crowd their lives with so many good causes, they have no time to seek power from Jesus. Soon they'll be working in their own strength, sacrificing their health and family for the good of the cause. It will work, it will work. It was quite the plan. The demons went eagerly to their assignments, causing Christians everywhere to get busier and more rushed, going here and there, having little time for their God or their families, having no time to tell others about the power of Jesus to change lives. I guess the question is, has the devil been successful in his schemes? You be the judge. Does busy mean being under Satan's yoke? Now, this book was written in 1942, back in the 19s, as my son Malachi would say. He thinks I'm super old because I was born in the 19s, like not even the 90s. It sounds so ancient to me. Um, but this book was written even before I was born, back in 1942. <laughs> it's old, yeah. Um, before the age of the internet, before smartphones were invented, and before social media. So how much more busy are we now, even since that book was written? On average, Canadians spend 6,035 minutes on the internet every day, and out of that time, about two hours and five minutes is on social media. Um, the majority of Canadians use their mobile phones to access social media. Research shows that people who feel stressed or like um, there's not enough time in the day report poor mental health and physical health. These people report eating unhealthier foods, having signs of depression, and feeling burnt out or emotionally exhausted. And so along comes the self-care industry. The self-care industry is currently worth $1.5 trillion. Um, we're all trying to improve ourselves. We're trying to care for ourselves. I saw somebody the other day with a tattoo across their back that just said self-care. And it really made me think. I was at a spa, by the way. It wasn't just like, <laughs> uh, wasn't key love. <laughs> but it really made me think like, wow, people are like crying out for that deep need of restorative, healthy care so much that they would even get a tattoo of it. Um, we're trying to rejuvenate ourselves. A lot of us are actually trying to find ourselves. We're asking, who am I? We want to know who we are. We crave to be known, and we crave to be healthy. 
We're doing personality tests, workplace personality tests. We're watching how many steps we walk each day. We track how many hours we sleep at night, how many liters of water we drink. We have a craving to know who we are and to improve who we are. Yet our creator, the one who made our body, our soul, and our spirit, the one who knows how many hairs are on our heads, he has created this practice of Sabbath to answer all of these needs. It's one day per week to stop, to care for ourselves, to care for our soul, and to care for our bodies by giving it the rest that it needs. Our creator knows exactly what we need. I find it amazing that we first learn about Sabbath in the story of creation. God created us. He knows us more than we know ourselves. And there, right in the middle of creation, in the middle of him creating us, knowing each of us, he rests. He rests because he himself needs rest, but he also rests to show us a template for our lives. There at the beginning of the Bible is our template for our weekly rhythms. He creates us, he creates our world, and he creates our week. Six days of work and one day of rest. One, it's one day of week of rest, but one-seventh of our life. God created our bodies, but he also created our souls. And we're made of body, soul, and spirit. And I find that our souls are so rarely talked about, yet in some ways they are like the, the depth of who we really are. Our souls are what will live into eternity, into heaven. Our souls are the part of us that are crying out for that deeper sense of rest. Our souls are made for eternity. When we care for our souls, we are sowing into our eternal life. Sabbath brings a slowed down rhythm to our week and then to our life. It's a metronome for our life. All you musicians will know what a metronome is. I didn't know what one is, but I borrowed one from some musician friends. You may have been wondering what this was. Um, so I'm just going to pop this on to show what the metronome does. So a metronome keeps the rhythm intended for a song being played. So if you're playing an instrument in sync with the metronome, then you are playing to the right rhythm. And that's the rhythm that the song was intended to be played to. That's what it was written to be played to. If you're off rhythm, then you're still playing the song, but you're not playing it to the rhythm that the composer intended it to be played to. So it will sound different to how it was intended to sound. And it's the same with Sabbath. Sabbath is the rhythm by which our lives were created. If we're not keeping Sabbath, then our lives are not in rhythm with what the composer or the creator intended for our lives. He knows us best. Our lives can so easily get out of rhythm. Our souls, our hearts can be off rhythm. Life around us is so fast paced. We carry the noise of the whole world in our pockets. Yet the rhythm of Sabbath brings us right back into the slower pace of regular rest that we so desperately need just like a metronome brings you back to the rhythm of the song. I won't have that going the whole time. <laughs> um, Luke 4, verse 31 says, Then Jesus went to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and taught there in the synagogue every Sabbath day. Sabbath is a practice that even Jesus followed when he was on earth. So if Jesus needed it, then how much more do we need it? 
Resting is an act of trusting him. It's not just a treat for if we, you know, finish all of our work one week. Even in running, training, and working out, there's a rest day. Google says this, I don't know who the quote was, it was on Google, about working and resting. Um, Every time you work out, you create microscopic tears in your muscle tissue. When you rest, your muscles start to heal and grow back stronger, meaning you'll be able to do the same workout with less effort in the future. If you skip rest days, it could lead to longer spells out through injury. So rest brings things back into full health again, and stopping makes us actually do better. If we don't do Sabbath, we often hit times in our life when we feel really overwhelmed. We burn out, and then we feel the need to just pull back from everything. And then we often jump to the opposite ditch of canceling everything in our life. But we can still often not address like what the issue was in the first place. So we'll start the whole cycle all over again. Whereas Sabbath is a prevention from those times. It's a healing of the root issue. So how do we do Sabbath? And here's the fun and practical parts of how we do Sabbath. So Matthew 11, verse 28 to 30 says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And that's the invitation of Sabbath. It's an invitation to live out of a place of rest. The older we get, the more our life is just saturated in work. Full-time work, running a home, parenting little ones, um, side hustles, and all other different parts of work in between. It leaves less and less time for play, for delight, And since we started doing Sabbath in 2020, I've been struggling to know what I even enjoy doing in my life. I've spent so much of my life working and slowly losing more and more of of the aspect of play in my life that now I struggle to even know what fills me back up again. But I'm determined to get there, to keep trying new things. And I've definitely found things along the way that I enjoy that I didn't think I would. Um, I remember when I first moved to Ottawa, I'd see people with water bottles out, like, walking a lot. And I'd be like, this is so weird, because I just didn't see the same in, in England. And, and when I first moved, I remember somebody being like, What's, what are some of the differences? And being like, well, everybody carries water bottles around. And thinking it was, like, really weird. But now, like, I enjoy walking and hiking and um, enjoying nature with my water bottle. Um, <laughs> So these are things that I enjoy now that I never thought I would, but I I love them now. Um, But I want to preface everything that I'm about to say with this. It takes time to build Sabbath into your life. This rarely happens overnight for people. Um, We've been tweaking Sabbath since 2020 and still have areas to grow in. But we can start small and we can grow it more and more over time. Any Sabbath rest is better than no Sabbath rest. So don't get overwhelmed if it feels like a lot to change. It does take time. Um, So Sabbath is a day of rest, which means no work. So the first steps of Sabbath are to remove things in life that feel like work to you. Um, This is a, a quick list of a few examples of what some people remove as things that feel like work for them. But I'd encourage you to to make your own list of things that feel like work for you. So a few don'ts of Sabbath. 
Um, no work, full or part-time jobs. Do Sabbath on, on what would be a work day off. No work emails or work messages. Our minds need rest as well as our bodies. No housework or chores around the home. No outside work, cleaning the car, cleaning out the garage, lawn care, unless it's things like gardening. I know that brings joy for some people. Um, <laughs> that's why it's a list for you. <laughs> um, no social media. Some people turn their phones off for the full 24 hours. Um, eliminate TV or other screens. And um, no spending time with people that don't bring you life. Seems a little bit harsh, but sometimes it's necessary. <laughs> um, maybe keep meals low-key if cooking doesn't bring you life, like it doesn't for me. Um, <laughs> you could do takeouts or prep food ahead or even eat out. Um, so Sabbath is all about rest, and it's also about refilling. Now, my parents obviously had made the mistake when I was younger to just eliminate things, but didn't really put life-giving things back in, which is why it just seemed like such a flat day. Um, but that's not the intention at all. It's resting, pausing, taking out work, and then putting life-giving things into our day. Um, a lot of people start out Sabbath with an invitational prayer to God to just invite him in and to provide us with the rest that only he can give. So Sabbath will look different for all of us. We will fill our Sabbath with things that bring each of us life. And so consider what gives you life. There's definitely an unending list of things that we can do on Sabbath. Um, and this will, list, again, will be so different for all of us. But a few common ideas, again, of do's of Sabbath. A lot of people start on a Friday or a Saturday night with a family or friends, like having them around for a meal. Um, you know, it, it's often a time to connect and enjoy time together, maybe incorporating favorite food or, you know, having a dessert night or something. Um, most people give more time to God that day, spending more time with him. A lot of people give time for a longer breakfast or a coffee with a good book. Some people, not me, get up early and then watch the sunrise. Um, some go out for a long walk and enjoy nature. A lot of people take a nap. Um, some, you know, spend time all day with people that they just love and people who really, you know, give them life as well. Um, it's doing life-giving hobbies, but it may also be more simple things like making homemade bread and enjoying it with butter melting and fresh out the oven and a hot cup of coffee. It may be um, going out watching your favorite sports team play. It may be paddleboarding down the river. Um, it could be snuggled up with a good book, hot chocolate, snow falling outside. Um, it could just be family board games with lots of laughs and kids feeling really connected. The list is endless, but do things that refill you and bring that soul rest to you. It needs to work with your life stage as well. If you've got kids, it's going to need to suit you as a family. And this has taken us a lot of, a lot of tweaking. Um, when we first started, we asked our kids what they each enjoy doing, like kind of as all their different love languages, it's, they're, they're very different. Um, so Lily, our 11-year-old, she loves quality one-on-one -on -one time. So often we'll try and, you know, snatch a bit of time, go out for a Starbucks and have a chat. 
Um, Malachi loves all together family time and he just loves being with family. So we'll do a movie night together or we'll go out on a Friday night in the summer for a a picnic on the beach. Um, Me and Caleb are in the stage of life where we want time on our own, not with the family. (laughs) So we'll go off on our own for a walk or a run. And you may just need to see what what day of the week works best as well. It's going to take some trial and error. And maybe doing a full 24 hours might seem impossible straight away. So it might be just worth starting out with four hours a week or something. Um, So our kids all really love Sabbath now, and it's their favorite day of the week. And it's brought us all so much closer as a family as well. So for a few final thoughts, it's a time of abiding in him. It's an opportunity once a week to apply all of what we've learned so far through this Abide series. Um, One thing I find with Sabbath is that it it resets me so much that I'm able to have a different perspective on the week ahead. When I stop and give him more focused quality time, I hear him clearer and often he resets my perspective. I go into the rest of the week feeling so refreshed And he'll often give me ideas of how to bring a slower pace into the other six days of my week. I get a lot of ideas on Sabbath, which bring clarity to other aspects in my life as well. And it's always a reset that I didn't know I needed until I do it. Um, It gets me back into that rhythm, uh, God's rhythm, the composer of my life's rhythm. And finally, it gives me a taste of the coming kingdom of God, a deeper sense of knowing that we're going to be resting with him in eternity. Um, So I'm going to call Ryan to come up. Um, We'll just have the keys play for a moment. Before we get back into worship, um, I'd love it if we could just take a few minutes, um, quiet, (laughs) to kind of respond practically to what we've heard today. Um, I've got a few examples of on the screen of some practical applications for us to think about. Um, I'm going to read through them. And as I read through them, just think if any of them apply for you, maybe just one or a little part of one. So the first one is um, maybe you don't do Sabbath, but you felt a nudge today to start. So maybe it would be good to think of a few practical steps of how you can start. And there's a few examples there. The second one is, um, maybe God has specifically highlighted one part of what I've said today, and how can you practically apply that? Thirdly, you do do Sabbath, but you felt encouraged to tweak it and maybe get even more life out of it. Maybe some aspects of it aren't working for you, um, but you've got some ideas of things that you could shift. And again, there's a few examples there. So if the Holy Spirit has highlighted any of these for you today, then let's just take a practical step now by putting um, action to his prompting. So I'm going to pray. And as I pray, we'll just listen to the Holy Spirit speaking to you for any of these things. And then as we go back into worship, maybe think about how you can um, take one of those practical steps into the week ahead. Lord God, we just thank you for the gift of Sabbath to us. Lord, we thank you for creating and for knowing each of us so intimately. 
Lord God, we just thank you for the life-giving rest that you have for us weekly and, and into eternity as well, Lord God. Lord, thank you that everything we need is found in you. Lord God, we just thank you for the deep well of refreshing that we can find in you. Lord God, as we go into this week ahead, please remind us of parts of your word today that we can apply. And Lord God, for parts of it that will bring that life and that rest that we so often need. Lord God, we're just so thankful for your rest, Lord God, for your Sabbath, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.